The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. The path uh, was um, certainly not um, planned, but I really enjoyed what I do. I started out um, an undergrad wanting to be an artist. I studied painting and um, graduated with um, this idea that something would just happen to me once I graduated that a job would fall in my lap and I would figure it out. Um, and I, uh, I did have a good time after I graduated. I, I taught at a Montessori school. I taught art and um, enjoyed it and I, I did make art on the side and um, had some su success with that but honestly I knew it wasn't going to last and um, I wanted something that was a little bit more um, fulfilling, maybe a little bit intellectually stimulating. I really miss being in a university setting. And I was talking to one of my um, students, little students' parents in the playground one day, and I said, you know, what do you do with a BFA degree in painting? No one wants to hire me for anything. I don't know what to do. So she suggested that I look into being an art librarian, and I never heard of such a thing. So she put me in touch with her sister-in-law, who was an art librarian um, in, in the Houston Museum of Art and she um, unfolded this wonderful wor world to me. Um, she sent me a link to the um, Art Librarians Society of North America webpage and from there I learned all about the profession and um, it just seemed like a good fit. I didn't, you know, as a studio artist I didn't see myself going and studying art history for five years and um, competing in that arena. I really wanted to work in the arts, but I didn't want to compete on that academic level um, because I still wanted to make art myself. So I went to library school. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, I had no computer training being a fine artist, and um, I really enjoyed it to my surprise. Um, I started working in the archives where I actually worked um, on a project where we were digitizing um, book covers and putting them online so that people could actually study the images on them there. It was um, a, quite an interesting project. It's called the um, Publishers Bindings Online. Well, that's so, similar to our digital future. That's right. <laughs> discussing the digital future of our information spaces. Exactly, exactly. So, um, uh, the, the world of library school and the profession of being a librarian is, is changing quite a bit. So when I was in school, um, I came in right at the beginning of that. So we were starting to learn a little bit about um, digital information, how to catalog it and what it means theoretically. Um, and uh, of course, now the profession is all about managing digital information and making things that um, previously were not accessible to the world accessible. Wonderful. I'm so excited you're a librarian here to talk to us today. And um, so you've been um, a librarian for how long then? I think it's been four years. Um, when I, I graduated from the University of, um, of Alabama, that's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, and I, right after I graduated, I got a um, position working um, at a small art and design college. It was in Nashville and I had a wonderful time working there. 
Um, I stayed there for about in a year and a half. Um, one of the selling points of the field is that I wanted to be able to move around and travel, and so um, a, posi a position opened up at UC Irvine, and I jumped on it and moved on out to the West Coast. Oh, great. So I've been here, um, it'll be two years in August. I'm so excited. Yay. So now we have <laughs> our introduction of Virginia Allison here, and let's move into some topics. As any of you listening would like to call in, please call 949-824-5824, and we'll do our best to put you on the air. Um, just since this is the first show ever, let me just say I did a music show nine years from 2000 to 2009, and this is my first public affairs show. So now we're going to transition to the world of talk radio with um, wonderful subjects of librarians, specifically in the film and media and arts category, such as yourself. So it's great to have a visual studies librarian start off the show. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And... Um, if you also would like to know more about Virginia, um, check out her faculty profile or her lib guides on uh, lib.uci.edu. Yeah. Yeah, so there's lots of great um, film databases, art databases, and that transitions into our first topic of film streaming. Yes. Zeebe <laughs> <laughs> and I were talking before this show about um, how... Um, Films are now being born digital, which means that you can actually purchase um, a, a digital file of a film, much like um, you could subscribe to um, a film library like Netflix. But libraries are now faced with this idea of um, actually purchasing digital content, just like you would purchase an ebook. So we're actually, um, um, librarians are in an interesting place right now where we have universities and different schools have to make to the decision if we're going to go ahead and transfer over to that format and if so how in the world are we going to do it um, one thing we could do is to build our own infrastructure and um, stream the films themselves and something that's really problematic is um, you can either purchase a film outright you can purchase the digital file um, and deal with all the copyrights backlash that comes with that or you can actually lease the film through a database. Um, so that's where the libraries are. It's a little tricky. Leasing, so that's yes. like renting. You're not owning. It's like not rent to own. Right. I think the most comparable thing would be Netflix. Yeah. Um, but libraries cannot use Netflix. I know that some of them do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard about that, yeah. and it seems like illegal to just... Right. Your library. You I from this is all hearsay. Um, this came up at a conference I was at. From what I know, um, they don't outright say no in their policy. If you ask them, they will say no. Um, so it's kind of maybe a don't ask, don't tell situation. I know that um, if if some libraries that they come across an instance where a faculty member needs a film and it's not available, they they can um, use like a, an account that the library has created and get the film to them. But um, like the, interlibrary loan, right? Services. Yeah, and the problem with film studies is um, usually film that study is kind of rare. We do a lot of third world film here, actually, and um, so, so it's hard, out of print, right? Out of print, so it's hard to get the films in the first place. It takes months and months, and working with film vendors. Um, uh, 
we do the best that we can, but sometimes shipping overseas, it just takes a long time. So um, it would be great if we could immediately get that digital file, but um, unfortunately, um, we're just not there yet. Um, we still even have a real, like, reels, uh, film reels uh, room that I don't think gets used really. Cause right, that's true, we do. pay for the projector projectionists and the equipment and the we do we have a lot of films that are being preserved and not used yeah, yeah i saw the room once it's pretty cool i know so ziva hasn't mentioned that she also <laughs> works at uci libraries and is privy to this wonderful world um so what the problem that we're facing is it's too difficult to build our own infrastructure even though some schools have done it um ucla did it recently and they I think it, it was dropped, but they were under a pending lawsuit, actually, for putting their films online. Oh, um, no. They encoded and were streaming films. So it can be really tricky. Um, so the problem we're finding is we'd love to um, actually lease films from a database like Netflix. We just can't find any that have the content um, like what we want. Um, we're hoping to, to, uh, to find something or maybe um, mission mash with a couple of databases, but that remains to be seen. Um, we're still trying to figure figure all this out. More and more libraries are getting rid of their reference desk and just um, going to appointments only um, because Google's out there, so you can ask anyone any random little thing on Google. So the reference desk isn't quite as popular, um, but because the librarian's role in this new di digital world is changing so much, um, it seems to be sort of a seamless transition. That's good. The films, again, um, are great to discuss for right now. I use libraries mostly for DVDs. I go to the Newport Beach Public Library, yeah. and, um, you know, with your library card, it's like free film checkout, you know, five days usually, and then you can get a renewal if it's not recalled, so that's like... Yep, all you college kids striving to save money um, might not realize that public libraries um, actually have quite a healthy budget to collect DVDs. Um, I know when I was in college, that's all I did was check out the films, and they're not necessarily going to be the blockbuster films. They, they tend to collect the more arty, interesting films. It can really expose you to a lot of um, the good stuff um, and the, and the um, realms of cinema, so I encourage you to check out public library films. Yeah, and then not necessarily university film libraries because of the, the whole copyright situation. It's usually um, limited to um, faculty, staff, you know, in-house, so that right. the rare films do not get lost or misplaced, and they can be available for classroom viewing and right. research. And that's great um, if your students take advantage of it while you are a student, that if you have free time, you go in and, you know, if, if it's not a busy... Um, room you can even check out for your own educational or time um, any movie in the database you know there's um the mrc that i uh didn't know of as a biology undergraduate until the last few months of my five-year <laughs> undergraduate <laughs> career and that was a shame but now as a film and media studies um undergrad of course i had to go there for films on reserve and right. So it's great to be a part of a university setting, I believe. I mean, there's lots of differences, I'm sure, well, I know, between public librarians and academic librarians. Right. So, as an academic librarian, what do you see for film 
I know I mean you have to publish more or you're pressured to publish more as an academic librarian. Um, the differences between... I think so. Um, yeah. Uh, being an academic librarian has its own set of pros and cons, just like being a public librarian. Um, it's a, a very stimulating environment, like I said. You do tend to wear a lot of hats. Um, you tend to work, um, I work a lot with faculty and with graduate students on their research, so it's challenging in that way. Um, a lot of times they will want you to have either an undergrad or a second master's degree in the subject areas that you're working in because you also um, do a lot of buying, and there's nothing more fun than spending someone else's money on really great things. <laughs> um, being a public librarian, um, I think, could be rewarding in, in a different sense in that you are actually working with the public. You have an opportunity to make a real change. Um, one of my best friends that I met in library school um, would define herself as a radical anarchist, and she actually... Um, there is uh, an interesting movement among the anarchist circles to be a librarian because it's this is really the, it's the last bastion for socialism, right? It's uh, <laughs> you know free information. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Being, and um, so she really really loves working in public libraries, and uh, I don't think she wouldn't be called dead working in a academic <laughs> library. Well, that's true. Although there are yeah. sections that are open to the community. That's right. When you there go are. sit at a computer, there's the databases. Right. That and we actually do work a lot with um, with the public. Um, and I, I think um, it just depends. I always suggest to people, if they're interested, go try to get an internship or volunteer in both settings and see what clicks with you. Um, the public libraries tend to have... Um, more interaction with the public in the sense that you get to um, actually develop programs for the public. Um, I was a children's librarian for one brief summer and oh, um, really? it was all Harry Potter all the time. Oh no. <laughs> it was fun for the time but I... Um, I'm sure now it's all Twilight all right, the time. I'm sure it's so then um, tell us a little bit about um, your research you're starting to look at um, image literacy you said? Right. Um, there's a lot of different names for it. Um, we call it visual literacy, and that's um, basically this idea that um, images can be read just like text can be read, um, like the written word, and that they have a loaded meaning, and that if you don't know how to read them, um, you are um, not able to actually fully understand um, what the image is saying. Um, so with the theme of our digital future, everything is going digital now. You have the television giving you information. You have ads giving you information. Um, you have photographs from your friends all over Facebook. And um, I'm going to stop there, but um, you get the picture, right? We're bombarded with images every the day. The picture. Right. I get the picture. <laughs> oh, very good, Dina. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, you're bombarded with images every day. And what... Um, and the library is what um, I'm hoping we can start doing. And what we're starting to do is to actually create tutorials that will teach um, students about visual literacy. Um, so we'll teach students how to actually use the language um, that we use when we're describing an image, like the principles of design, just the very basics. Um, and then how to look at an image and ask questions about what it means or what might be problematic. Um, images can be very... Um, loaded or even manipulative. I'm sure you all know this from um, the advertisement industry. 
Um, so we really want to teach students to be um, very savvy about images, to learn what it means. And also in um, education, the trend is that students are creating images, they're creating films. And so part of what we're trying to do is teach students how to create visual information, how to use their knowledge of, um, of basically the grammar of um, composition and um, creating visuals um, to be better students and to be able to put out information that has um, power and meaning. So not, un not only understanding it, but being able to reproduce um, images as well. So that's what we're doing. Um, there is a lot of um, image-based research on campus, so it's not just the arts anymore. We have, of course, art history uses images in our image databases as their primary source for doing research. Um, but we also have history and even um, the sciences, material sciences, they want images, and then, of course, medicine. So we're really looking at um, this copyright issue, too, of how to acquire digital images that faculty can teach with without breaking copyright, which is um, the other. Like <laughs> copyright's like the big issue. Copyright's the big issue. If Libraries, um, librarians, right. schools, everything's like... Copyright, copyright. We actually learned a little bit about that in a, one lecture for the end of Disney film. It was all on, like, copyright. I was like, I've heard this before. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, it's a really big deal. Actually, Lucas Soldebrand is um, a copyright expert. It's so... Oh, okay. That the law sense. is very complicated. <laughs> he yeah. wrote a book recently on, on copyright. Oh. Um, I should interview him. <laughs> you should. You oh, should. librarian. Wait, what's <laughs> my theme? Um, yeah, copyright issues are really... Um, sticky and difficult and and um, a lot of times the law is not very clear about what is and what is not allowed. It's on a case-by-case -case basis. So it can get really frustrating and of course you can imagine working for a university you want to be very careful not to oh, yeah. um, infringe upon any laws. Wow. Yeah. So that's going to be a topic I'm sure in library school. I did see a class coming up for that copyright issues take it yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say but even um, you know this applies to anyone in their daily life um, we use images so much and we reappropriate them without thinking and um, people can get in, all, in um, big trouble so for our listeners you might be interested in knowing about um, something called my mind is blanking um it's true, though. I see the discussion forums and people just like any picture you'll photo at shop edit, edit right. it really quick just to make it funny. You'll put like some words or some images and it's like no big deal to anybody really. But then you never know also what company is out there and it gets really popular on the Internet and they want to sue you maybe because like, well, that's not how we wanted that image to be used. Right. Right. But then they did say that there's a like whole like remixing like right. a copyright issue like if it's it for art purposes it's supposed to be okay right appropriation and that's very sticky as well I'm actually going to be um, hopefully creating a guide about appropriation about what is and is not allowed um, there's something called um, Creative Commons that's what my mind was blanking on um, that our users might want to know about especially if you're creating any sort of music or images um, any sort of art. Um, you can actually go into Creative Commons and grab a license that doesn't say, um, no, you cannot remix this, no, you cannot 
reappropriate this, you can actually give your work a Creative Commons license, and it, it has different um, things you can put on there. So one of them is, um, yes, you can use this, but you have to ask permission, that sort of thing. So that's a one way that um, people that are putting content out there, especially online, are able to put their stuff out there, give it a little bit of protection, but also say, hey, I don't want my stuff to be locked down and copyright, copyright because... Um, you know, everyone's saying right now, information wants to be free. Yeah, and then also, um, that brings up, like, student films. Like, people put whatever put whatever song on student films, and they always tell us, oh, don't worry about it. It's if you're, um, it's actually about um, creating your own media and, and having your own voice and that sort of thing. And I went to a workshop where they actually taught you how to make your own videos so you can make little documentaries um, out there on the street and put them up and sort of be a, a grassroots journalist. And um, I didn't verify this, so I, I feel um, a little sheepish talking about this on the air, but they explained that um, with YouTube, if you upload your content, that they actually own it. Oh, yeah. Um, so you have to be really careful, and um, I think maybe blip. TV. I've heard of that. Right. was created um, um, as a sort of antithesis of that, that they want people to be able to put up information um, and not fear that someone else would own it. That's true. And then there's um, the, the whole film copyright thing in the industry. I know, for instance, Disney has purchased so many other companies like Buena Vista and Rear right. Max or I don't know but since I took that that's like a fresh in my mind but everything is like owned by someone apparently that's true and you'll learn all about that in library school all the world's media it seems is only owned by five companies it's pretty scary <laughs> oh yeah that's why we did hear that and they're mm-hmm. in like the top three mm-hmm. and so for going back on the topic of um, our digital future I always wondered how about if libraries well, I mean, this might be scary to some, but how about if libraries, all it w- was was, like, a couple um, iPads, and that's it. And so everything's on there, and you just check out right. the iPads somehow. There are some people that say that's how it's going to be. Um, yeah. One of the, the interesting um, aspects of something like that is then what is a library, theoretically? Like, what is a library? Is it the stuff inside it? The, the content that you buy for it or is it the space itself that makes it so interesting so if that were the case would you have um, a media library that was all digital would it still be a space where students would come and, and um, study together um, I, there's some great quote that everyone talks about in library schools about how the library is the heart of the campus yeah um, and I, I don't mean to take that lightly I think you know I love that quote but um but what would that mean if everything was online and people didn't come together into a space? Um, so you as a student, how did you feel when you were a student? And I think um, online is great right. from when you're at home and you're trying to do virtual v- VPN, like v- the, so you can access the databases. But right. it's, oh, it's always easier on campus, but then the library, no matter what, is still... I'm going to come to to study because I like that it's like a quiet, clean environment, right. and you can go with your classmates right after class. And so, I really like like the architecture of libraries and the furniture and 
I wish there was more art on the wall, like images. Right. It like, can be a very inspiring space. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like a museum to me when I walk into a library. It's like ancient history, like really great. Like um, the New York Public Library is wonderful. Right. It's amazing. And then um, Biblioteca Nacional de España I went to this summer. And that was like, well, it was amazing. So any, I like, I like libraries like that. Even like the Claremont College um, libraries the private school it's you can get in like there's great art on the wall Mm -hmm. and furniture and it's like oh this is a really cool study space and there's study rooms and libraries that can really like you got when you have to focus it's just right so i really enjoy even bringing your own laptop doing like when we had a meeting today and they said um most a lot of people they saw in the library uh like around 1 p.m this summer were either um watching movies on facebook or sleeping so people just come to the library just right, to come just to the library, out. not necessarily right. even to get down to business. But right, I mean, I think they're just maybe procrastinating. They know that eventually they have <laughs> to get down to business and then maybe spend nine hours. It's a great procrastination station. Because I know that's sure. what I used to do. It's yeah. like, i got to go to the library today and I'll like bring my snacks and everything yeah. that's allowed to come into the library. And then just like hours of, um, you know, Facebook or... Yeah, and again, I mean, it is a place for free information, and um, just like public libraries, and it is, I mean, free access to internet, can't get better than that, so. Yeah, and then the librarians are there, like, waiting to help you with, what are some questions? Waiting. What are some questions (laughs) that you've gotten in your career? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I have gotten some doozies, I don't know (laughs) Over the air because you get them on the phone in person through email through instant messaging right so every way even texting yeah you can text a cell phone Mm -hmm. any way you can get a reference question you'll get it and then you you answer it if you can or or do you ever have to refer well you do refer them yeah i refer them the the hardest questions i get are um well when students are writing a paper where they have to um, put two seemingly different things together, for an example, um, a student was researching, um, he was researching transport, public transportation in Africa and wanted to link it to sculpture and wanted me to help him find the link. Well, <laughs> public transportation <laughs> in Africa and sculpture. Right, and African sculpture. And... Um, Maybe how the vehicle itself is. Right. And, and and that was one of those cases where, you know, I just have to say, wow, you really have to go and do that research yourself and draw your own synthesis. Um, and that can be really hard um, to, to tell someone to go back and do more research is um, not always the answer that they want to hear. But I, um, I generally get pretty good questions. Um, I The most interesting one I got this quarter, I think, was about Lady Gaga. Oh, really? Yeah, I love I love Lady Gaga. <gasps> it's like the new research hit. Yeah, really? There are these trends. She's popular in the research area because oh, wow. she's such a fascinating mm-hmm. um, like person. Like her life and Yeah, or beliefs. just what she's representing, how she's reflecting her culture, um, how she is sort of... Um, being ugly um, mm-hmm. and how that's the new pretty like what she's doing and what, she, what it's saying about who we are she's actually I think pretty smart 
Yeah, when I was taking film history here at UCI, I remember when we were learning about the Dada stage, Dadaism. Yeah. That's the first thing that came to mind is like Dada, Gaga. I was like, is she trying to be Dadaism? Right. Some but people say that she is. Oh, yeah. like, great. Like, because um, is Dadaism, that's like Sal- Salvador Dali, or that's a little different, maybe. And then, um, yeah, those films are great. The Un Angelou, the what's the one with the the dog or well, the eye? Oh my gosh, Un- I watched it in high school. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, He's it's more surrealism. Of a surrealist. Yeah, yeah. It's surrealism. Yeah, Dada's yeah. more like. And it's interesting because Dada. Um, well, there's controversy over what that name means, but supposedly it's just supposed to mean nothing and. Dadaism was created to sort of rebel against the war because um, they felt the the group of men that started it were actually really intelligent and they thought that any society that would allow such a war to happen must be really stupid. So they wanted to be really absurd to protest against um, the barbarism of society. I remember, did they, um, were the headquarters in Sweden originally or something European over there? Like, oh, right, in oh. Austria. Okay. Or no, sorry, in Zurich. Oh, yeah, I just hear yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, because it was a neutral place. Mm-hmm. And so they would do, like, crazy art and <laughs> visuals and get together and... Cabarets and and sort of making these spectacles, and that's what she's doing. She really is making a spectacle of herself. And um, uh, one of my friends actually does a lot of um, art on herself where she is man- manipulating her body image, and she puts in... She was trained as a jeweler, and she's starting making sculptures. She's putting in all these earrings and stuff all over her face to look like disease. Oh, to really? Of, to sort of make a, a critique about beauty. Uh-huh. And Lady Gaga is doing the same thing when it comes to beauty. So it's just interesting. A, a lot of students and faculty, I think, are just intrigued by her and by what she represents and how she's reflecting our culture. So it's like a visual essay since mm-hmm. you're writing about it. You're visually showing right. this is my right. argument, my thesis. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which goes back to our topic of um, visual literacy. Mm-hmm. Right. And just how. Right. What does it mean when you look at a picture of Lady Gaga and she has these huge white looking pimples all over her, <laughs> all over her face? What does that mean? That's a very loaded image. So um, her music video itself was like, well. Right. <laughs> right, and that's an image just like a really dense um, text that needs to be unpacked that requires some critical thinking skills. So that's, that's the idea behind visual literacy is learning how to ask the right questions. Like, what, is, what the heck does that mean? And that's all about um, a lot of, like, research. That's what, what we're trying to teach here at UC Irvine, correct? Because when you say we, you, you mean, like, professors and right. librarians and how we're um, instructing undergrads and grads and right so that makes sense so i think yeah education is worth higher education is worth it because you think logically you learn to think critically and definitely that's why some people like 